Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to the Mile 40 Podcast. Season four is underway. Uh, Today's episode is sure to be riveting, and I am going to dive right in. Uh, Today, I am joined by Dave Allred. Dave is the managing partner and CEO of Axia Partners. He's a public speaker, an executive business consultant, and a prominent figure in the real estate world. Allred's life reflects what a person can do when they live with, with intentionality and a willingness to do today what others won't, so tomorrow you can have what others can't. Dave's going to walk us through his journey. You know, it wasn't all roses for him. And, you know, he knows that this podcast is all about diving into those pit to peak moments. Uh, But just to give you a little bit of insight, Allred's extensive experience in real estate includes single family flips, hard money lending, Airbnb, multifamily, self storage, senior housing, land acquisition, and entitlement, distressed debt joint ventures, syndications, and fund management. Now, based on what I know about Dave and what he's going to walk us through earlier, I imagine there was a point in his life where none of that would have been linked to his bio. Uh, And so first and foremost, Dave, thanks for joining me today. Excited to be here. Great for the opportunity. Let's dive in. Let's do it. So I know you're based in Utah now. Uh, Let's talk about where you grew up. So I grew up in uh, central Utah, a small town called Manti. Uh, population about two thousand people. Uh, in fact, we actually just got our uh, our first uh, stoplight down there about two years ago. It was a pretty pretty deal, pretty exciting. Um, yeah, grew up in a in a in a very low income home. Um, my dad worked two different jobs. Uh, we definitely never really had anything to speak of in terms of you know monetary finances, quality of life, etc. More just you know trying to trying to survive down there. Um, parents separated a few times, you know, one year at a time trying to, you know, and then get back together for the kids and it never really worked out. Um, a lot, a lot of dysfunction and, you know, and I, and I say that, you know, my older sister ran away when she was 15. Um, I ran away when I was 17, um, moved into this little shack, uh, paying $200 a month in rent roof was falling in cockroaches living off of, you know, ramen noodles and, 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 and fast food. And um, my little brother moved in with me a year later, ran away from home, got emancipated. And um, yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty tough, you know, um, upbringing. With that being said, I, I actually am very grateful for that. Uh, I think that I learned a lot about, you know, life, about, you know, challenges and grit and and ambition and kind of what it takes to get to break through the mold. And it also really inspired me as to what I want to do differently in my own personal life as a as a businessman, as a you know, as a father, as a husband, et cetera. So that's kind of where we, uh, where it all started. Wow. Um, so was it just you and your older sister and younger brother? There's the three of you. Uh, also my, my younger sister, she stayed home until she was, uh, 18. Got it. So there are the four of you and it seems like, um, you know, for the most part, you all grew up pretty quickly. Um, I know that, you know, you had mentioned to me that you were on your own by the age of 17. Uh, is that correct? 
Yes. And you know, was schooling normal for you, or did you take a different route? You know, school. Um, you know, school. School is interesting. So, so I had a three point nine GPA. I actually did pretty well at school. Um, you know, I've always, whenever it come my mind to something, I've always been pretty successful at that. And um, you know, and then I went to college and kind of fast forward. I was, um, you know, so I was go- I was living in this little home and. Um, I ended up going to college and, uh, and, and while I was at college, they had a recruiting booth set up to go out and, and, and sell home security systems door to door. And I never wanted to do door to door sales. And the truth is there's nothing sexy about door to door sales. It's not glamorous, but they had a recruiting booth set up and Krispy Kreme donuts sitting out and I'm like, Hey, I'm a college student, you know, grab a donut. Next thing you know, um, I'm out in Chicago, Illinois for four months in the summer selling home security systems. And, you know, I got to say that was actually the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Um, my first week I I'd sold one account, um, you know, my first entire month was six accounts and midway through the summer, um, I was failing miserably. Uh, it had been really, really bad. Actually about 80% of our team had quit, gone home cause it was so hard. And, uh, my, my roommate actually was not, was, you know, walking down the street, and ended up getting shot in the calf by a 22 caliber, you know, in the leg. And just because he was not walking down the streets of Chicago, the guy left Chicago, um, <laughs> you know, and so, and, and so, you know, even more of our team quit and I was kind of one of the last guys standing. And, you know, I thought about quitting every single day. Uh, in fact, I probably thought about quitting every, probably about every hour, every day. And it was so hard and challenging, man, because, you know, it's not a fun job. It's hard. It's challenging. You're getting rejected every day um just kind of getting your teeth kicked in and um you know it really you know but luckily i i decided to you know kind of double down and 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 and, and, and give it everything i had that summer and i i finished the last two months very strong i sold 121 accounts and i made thirty one thousand dollars. which for me that was even to today that was the most meaningful important money i've ever made in my life you know it was more than my, my parents had ever made it was you know really kind of just helped me it gave me enough confidence to come back the following year. And I came back as a sales manager, recruited a team of 22 other salespeople and made $156,000 that year. And, you know, for me, even to today, that was the second most important money I've ever made because it really helped break through some of those limiting belief systems that I had growing up. You know, if you'd asked me as a child, you know, as a youth or as a young man, like what my potential earning, earning potential would be, I say maybe a hundred thousand dollars, like best case scenario, if I played my cards perfectly. And so to be able to make that kind of money, you know, my first year as a sales manager was really inspiring and it really helped me to think a lot bigger. And so I came back the next year as a regional manager, made 256,000 and then the next year over half million. And it just kind of grew it from there. But I got to say, you know, it's really led to this beautiful, you know, career, 15 year leadership career, managing 121 sales teams in 41 states. and. Um, you know, I'm really grateful for that. I think that if I would have quit, you know, looking back, like most of the guys did, it would have completely changed the trajectory of my life. And, and so I'm so grateful for having not quit and had, you know, the the foresight or the, I don't know, the grit or the tenacity to be able to continue with what I committed to. Uh, I think that's a really important skill set, right? Especially nowadays. I think a lot of times when things get hard, human nature is we want to take the course of least resistance. And I truly believe that. Uh, sometimes the best opportunities, both in personal development as well as in business, are when it's the hard way, the harder route. Because 
nobody else is willing to do that. You know, even in real estate today, I run a, you know, a fund with over a hundred million dollars, uh, you know, in commercial real estate across the country. And <clears throat> sometimes the very best deals we find are actually deals that have some hair on them. They're a little bit, they're tough, they're hard because everybody else is passing up on that opportunity. And so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of summarize this thing. What, what I've learned is to become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think knocking doors, you know, that's one of the best ways to be able to teach that. And, you know, today I've got four children ages uh, eight through 16. And I expect that they all go out and do at least one, you know, season of door to door sales, uh, no matter how affluent or abundant, you know, we have, you know, in our lifestyle. I think that those life skills are very valuable in, in today's world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, as you were speaking about that, we did have one other guest on the show um, who started their career in door-to-door sales um, and uh, became very successful. And one of the unifiers here um, between you and them was the adversity you know faced in childhood. And it kind of makes me you know think you know you said it yourself: door-to-door sales is not cut out for everybody. And, you know, 80% of the people will walk away from it because you will get beat up um, in the door-to-door industry. Um, And, you know, I want to dive into it a little bit more and, you know, ask about um, your ability to um, take on rejection and, you know, where that kind of came from at a a young age and, you know, why you pushed through that summer in Chicago, um, you know, Till you made that thirty-one grand, um, because I think that's the that's the differentiating factor. Uh, you could put a thousand people in a door-to-door door-to-door sales job because of the fact that you know it is very commission-based, so anyone can get the job, uh, but not many people can you know last in it, let alone succeed in it. Um, so, what's the secret sauce? Yeah, great question. Uh, I would say there's a few things on that. First of all. I want to start by saying, you know, when I was a, a teenager and going through, you know, that uh, that whole experience, I just remember having this burning desire and commitment that I was going to do whatever it took to reset the standard and completely change the game in my own personal life in the future, my future family, and and really just again reset the standard completely, you know, in terms of success and you know earning opportunities and you know, impact and, and legacy, happiness, resolving trauma, just, just reset that completely. Cause I was like, this is the, we're, I'm, we're better than this. And I want more than this for my, my family in the future. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. Um, in fact, there was in my bedroom, uh, there's a few posters up on the wall, right? It's teenage boy. You know, one of them's a Lamborghini. Um, one of them is a uh, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I had a Pamela Anderson on there. Um, I think it might've been Cindy Crawford as well. And, uh, and then there was a, my, my favorite NFL athlete was Jerry Rice. And at the bottom of the Jerry Rice poster, there was a simple sentence and it says, today I will do what others won't so that tomorrow I can have what others can't. And that, 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 that one sentence, that one motto really became almost a, a mantra for me where I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I, I didn't know how I was going to do that, but Whatever that was, I was going to, I was going to pursue all opportunities and whatever, do whatever it took to be able to change this. Right. Um, and so, you know, having really instilled that, 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 that commitment, when I saw that opportunity go out and knock doors, again, I knew it was going to be really hard and there was nothing exciting about it besides the earning opportunity. And so I think that's one of the biggest keys that made me jump into it. Um, 
The second thing was I realized that, hey, this is going to be really difficult and really hard. And I actually had a pretty good understanding just how challenging it would be. Not not quite as, you know, I didn't think it was going to be as bad, hard as it was, but um, I've always believed that, you know, we personal growth from personal growth comes from being on the fringe of your comfort zone. And I've always found myself myself in uncomfortable positions. And 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 even today, you know, we have you know true financial freedom and we've really accomplished you know all the goals that I've set out to accomplish and have this incredible lifestyle, family and time freedom and, and financial freedom. But I'm actually working harder than I ever have in my life right now. But it's doing something that I love. And I just feel like, you know, I, I'm the most fulfilled when I'm making forward progress, when I'm when I'm becoming the best version of myself. And, you know, the idea of retirement or just coasting or taking it easy actually sounds terrible, man. Like that, that sounds like the idea of retirement, <laughs> seriously, it sounds like the worst thing, man. Like I, that, I, I want nothing to do with that. And so I think, so, so combination of, you know, as a child realizing how many, whatever it takes to, 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 to break through from this, uh, mixed with really embracing challenges and hard things, because I know it's going to help create the best version of Dave Allred. And that mixed with, well, the fact, I mean, frankly, the fact that I was completely broke <laughs> living on, you know, ramen noodles and fast food and like I needed to make money. And, you know, we'd make about $300 in a commission, which was way more, you know, per sell, $300, way more than the, the $6 an hour I was making by driving 20 minutes away and manufacturing fiberglass flagpoles, yeah. <laughs> which is what I was doing on a night shift. Right. And so I think it was a mix of those, those three things that really helped me to, to, to get through it. Um, and, and the fourth one would just be uh, actually one of the guys, the, the owners came out midsummer in Chicago. He said, hey, anybody that sells over 100 accounts can qualify to become a sales manager the next year. And so for me, I was like, hey, you know, the, the switch flipped for me. I'm like, hey, I could become a leader of men. I could become, I could, you know, become more of a manager, a leader. I could become, you know, an actual career and a, and a higher opportunity, earning opportunity. And so I'd say it was a mix of those four things. Love that. Um, you know, you mentioned the Jerry Rice quote, and I know we actually said that quote, you know, in your intro, but you know, there's also a part of it that, um, you know, how far can you really go? Did, did that young, you know, Dave ever envision he'd be on a podcast talking about the fact that he manages a hundred million dollar fund? Like, you know, th- there, there's, uh, there's one thing to be said about said about succeeding and and in a job that requires a lot of hustle and a lot of grit. You know, working door to door, it's another level of intelligence and EQ, EQ that's required to then say, you know, and do what you are doing now. So let's talk about a. How did you get over the hurdle of um, maybe the mental hurdle of of believing that you you belong you know, in that conversation, uh, where the number hundred million comes out, um, or did you always believe it along all the way, you know, all, all way through that, you know, it was just a matter of time, uh, that one day you were going to get to this point. No, that's such a good, good question. I, I definitely, you know, I, I think limiting beliefs are a real thing and we all have these, you know, these stories, what we tell ourselves of what we're worth, you know, what we should be able to earn, you know, what kind of success that we deserve. And honestly, man, it took a lot of work to, to get past those beliefs that limiting belief systems. And I think the key for me was this relentless commitment to personal development, trying to find the best version of myself as podcasts, masterminds, mentors, coaches, books, you know, whatever else. Um, and just really 
always just pushing to that next level. You know, I, I think that, you know, for me, like my definition of a, a life well lived is just finding the best version of myself. And it's always about that next level, you know? And so I think that's part of it. I think that uh, another thing that really helped me was I created something called lifestyle design. And it's, uh, it's, I, I sat down on a Sunday for four hours and I took an Excel spreadsheet and I said, okay, Hey, listen, if I'm going to go out and knock doors, like, I want to know why I'm doing this and, 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 and what is the, what's the, what's the actual outcome that I'm really fighting for here. And so I wrote down 10 categories in my life that I want to be great at. Right. So it's family, it's my time, it's finances, business, spiritual, personal development, experiences, relationships, et cetera. And I wrote down my definition of exactly what I, how I would define winning in each one of those categories. And it was all in writing, it took four hours. And that gave me a lot of purpose in terms of like, what, you know, how do I live? How would I define a life we'll live with purpose, passion, intentionality, and no regrets. And it's been a beautiful process. And I've actually gone back to that spreadsheet now about every Sunday since then. And I, I update it, I internalize it, I add to it. So it's a living document, but that blueprint of what I want to accomplish in my life has been highly motivating because I'm never complacent. I'm never happy with where I am right now. It's okay. I'm working towards something much greater. And, and, the, and by the way, it, it's, I call it lifestyle design. And if any of your users would like a, a copy of that, the template, um, it's on my website, daveallred.com. And it's a free download. I'm happy to share it. Um, it's created value for, you know, thousands of people now. And I'm really proud of that. But for me personally, it's really made a huge impact in my life with, with creating clarity. You know, I think that most people meander through life, not really knowing what they really want to accomplish. And it's more, more just based on emotion or, you know, what fires can be put out that day. But if you know what you really want to accomplish, then you're able to make so much more intelligent decisions that are in alignment with that ultimate outcome. You know, per according to Google, we make 35,000 decisions per day, right? With what to wear, how fast to drive, what to eat, everything. And so if you know where you, your ultimate destination is, you're just going to get there so much faster and you make more intelligent, aligned decisions versus just trying to figure, <laughs> figure it out as you go. And the last thing I just want to mention is I, I feel grateful to have realized a long, long time ago that my core motivator is freedom. I want to have a ton of freedom in my life to be doing what I want to do with people I want to be doing it with when I want to do it. And that's such a motivator for me that when I see these hard things like going out and knocking doors or, you know, climbing Mount Everest or running Ironmans marathons or running away from home or, you know, starting a, a real estate fund, like those are hard things. Uh, speaking on stages, that scares the hell out of me, man. Like public speaking. But I just, two years ago, I'm okay, I'm just going to say yes every single opportunity because that's how I'm going to get past that fear and become great at it. And so just, you know, that, that commitment to freedom has been such a motivator for me, man. And, and it helps me get through those hard things because I know on the other side of the hard thing is going, I'm going to have more freedom. So it's, it's no longer scary or hard for me because I've already done it. I love that. Um, and, you know, so many takeaways, takeaways from that. But one of the things that I, I want to highlight is what you had mentioned about lifestyle design. And what I love about what this show has enabled us to do is it's allowed us to bring on people such as yourself who are not only showing, you know, what their pits were, but then offering up resources to help listeners out there 
access um, guides to help them rise up. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be listening to this and, and kind of, um, you know, relating to the fact that, um, you know, there were opportunities where they could have uh, perhaps found value or, um, or you know, even from a monetary perspective, reached goals that they had never envisioned. Um, and opportunities such as the lifestyle design could help them um, navigate their steps. Now, you had mentioned uh, your fear of speaking on stages and uh, and and how you started down that journey. And that was actually something that I was going to bring up next. You've told me that you've traveled to 55 countries. You've done a Mount Everest expedition. You've spoken on stages worldwide. Um, again, let's go back to younger Dave. Younger Dave was very much an individual contributor. He was someone out there hunting. You talked about it yourself, being with your back against the wall and you know just needing to make money because your options were limited at the time. Um, and then even taking the opportunity to jump into leadership after closing 100 deals. You know, There's a big difference between being a manager and then being an evangelist or a spokesperson or someone that you put on stage. Um, let's talk about that. And let's talk about where your comfort zone is right now when it comes to speaking um, and um, what you've learned along the way. So one of the goals that I set a while ago, maybe five, five or six years ago, was personally, I want to create direct value for at least 10 million people and help at least 1,000 people become financially independent through real estate investing. And so, you know, I just see speaking on stage as a way where I can impact a lot more people at magnitude than I could. I used to do executive consulting. So, you know, after I finished my 15-year leadership career uh, with Door Sales, I started doing executive consulting because I missed that, you know, interpersonal development aspect of, of leadership. I'm still doing real estate, kind of full-time real estate, but uh, in, executive consistent executive consulting was a side hustle for me. And but that trading, you know, time, you know, an hour for, for for you know time for money was one. I just felt like it wasn't the highest and best use of my time. And so, you know, I started doing some speaking engagements, and uh, and uh, you know, it's grown to where you know I now speak you know multiple times per month. And and honestly, I actually love it now. It's such a fun way to be able to create real value and impact for for a lot of people. You know, in in, in the same amount of time that it would be one on one in, in consulting. Um, definitely not, not, you know, haven't perfected the, the art of public speaking, but I think repetition is key. And, um, I've been really grateful for those opportunities. Um, I think that, you know, I still get a little nervous sometimes, I get a little scared when you get on stage or beforehand, but, um, yeah, I'd say mainly it's just an opportunity to be able to help impact, you know, a lot of people and share what I've learned uh, along the way. You know, I'm a big fan of, of learning from other people. I think success leaves clues or leaves tracks and, I also believe there's real power in proximity, you know, kind of going back to your question on like, you know, how do I break through some of those limiting beliefs and, and continue to up level? You know, a lot of that is, is actually being around other people that are already doing what I are already where I want to be. Right. Like, and so I think one of the biggest keys for me has been always paying a lot of attention to my circle and the people that I'm spending my time with. And I really try to be intentional with that and make sure I'm spending time with the people that are on the level of kind of where I want to get to next, right? Because when you have that proximity, man, there's real power in proximity. And when you can look at somebody in the eyes, like the wide of their eyes and be like, okay, all right, hey, if this guy can do it, it can't be that, that hard, right? Like, and and so I found a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of value and a lot of acceleration by being around other people that are already where 
where I want to be. Absolutely. I mean, I appreciate all the time surrounding yourself with people that are, you know, stronger, smarter, faster than you. And, and to your point, just being where it is that you want to be. Um, sometimes taking a, a backseat and just, you know, soaking in and, and listening and, um, understanding, um, you know, what their daily practices are and, and trying to apply it on your own. I want to ask you um, with regards to your segue into the real estate world. We didn't actually touch on how you got started in real estate. You know, we talked about um, where your career got started, uh, but let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So when I was 30 years old, um, I had been talking about financial freedom for a long time. And there's a big difference between wanting and being committed to it. And so I sat down when I was 30 years old. And I had a few hours and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out like the blueprint here and how I'm actually going to achieve financial freedom. And by the way, I would define financial freedom as having enough reoccurring passive income, like mailbox money to cover your entire cost of living, right? Your mortgage, your car payments, your cell phone, food, all of that. And so I sat down and it's actually a very simple um, equation. I'll share it with you guys. So you take a spreadsheet. First line item is, you know, what's your current cost of living? Everything all included. Let's say it's, let's say it's $200,000. The next line item is what's my current passive income? And, and, and passive income means income you're making without trading your time or the money, right? It's money you're making while you're sleeping. It's, and for me, that's real estate income. And so let's say you have $50,000 in reoccurring passive income from a condo or townhome or some dividend stocks, whatever. So the next line item is what's the gap? So in that situation, it'd be $150,000. The next line item, how many years am I willing to commit to achieve true financial freedom? And for me, it was 10 years. Okay? And, so, uh, and so then you, know, you divide that number, $150,000 by 10 years, it's $15,000 of new passive income per year. So it's really that simple. So I needed to create $15,000 of new passive income per year and I'd achieve true financial freedom in 10 years. And so again, I was 30 years old. And so for me, it was... Okay, I need 40 rental properties because I would create that passive income number by age 40. So I created 40 by 40. And so my passwords on my iPhone, my, 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 my back screen on my iPhone, everything was 40 by 40. And I just really internalized that every Sunday. I would sit down, I'd, I would track my, my progress there. And by the way, writing your goals down are so important. It's so important. Not only does it hold you accountable, but it helps you see those incremental improvements as you make progress towards that uh, that goal. And so, you know, I tracked it every single Sunday, and I ended up hitting that goal when I was when I was forty years old. Um, and that's when I retired from door sales and went full time into real estate. And I just you know, I celebrated for about a a day. Took my wife out to Ruth Chris, got a steak, and uh, the next day it was like, okay, what's next? And What's next was I wanted to have ownership in a thousand rental properties by age 40. And so that's when I went all in on real estate and um, was able to hit that goal when, you know, when I turned 40. Actually, one month before I turned 41, I accomplished that goal. And, uh, you know, and that's when I decided to then launch Axia Partners, which is our real estate fund. And, um, and so, and, and, and kind of the story behind and what, what Axia does is we invest in recession resilient commercial real estate all across the country. So we invest in multifamily apartment complexes. I love those. It's you know bread and butter. It's it's a necessity. People have to have housing. Um, we invest in storage units, which are historically the most recession resilient asset. Uh, and then also in RV parks, which are huge cash cows 
And then also an industrial warehouse, which is like Amazon fulfillment centers, because the projections are in the next five years, that should be the top performing asset across all of real estate. And so we picked those four asset types because the recession resilient. Um, we're actually in our third fund offering right now, raising a $40 million equity fund. We're about halfway through that fund right now. And uh, so when people invest with us, they actually get real equity ownership, basically in all these different assets across the country. And the reason why I jumped into the fund structure was because it just mitigates a lot of the downside risk. And, and you know, everybody knows the housing market's been really hot for time. You know, I'm really proud to be able to say that, you know, with over 400 investors, I've never once lost a single dollar investor capital in real estate. And I'm proud of that. And so I wanted to move into the funds model because it for that risk diversification in multiple different real estate sectors. And so um, that's really what's kind of the inspiration behind jumping into the fund. Also, we can have hundreds of investors come in so we can create a lot more value for a lot more people versus just doing it on my own or you know these smaller uh, joint ventures. And so that's really the inspiration behind it. Um, really excited about the team we have and, and where we're headed as, as, as a fund. You know, our goal is uh, we're already over $100 million. We're Our goal is to be at uh, a billion plus uh, as an investment firm by 2020. So we got a lot of work in front of us, but uh, super grateful for that. I love real estate. I mean, you can probably tell, I, I feel like it really is the best way to, to create not just financial freedom, but time freedom and lifestyle freedom, and as well as like a tax deductible lifestyle, which is so important. There's so many tax deductions and benefits in real estate. So I've been really grateful for that. And, you know, now it's fun to be able to share that and, and to help bring a lot of my friends and, you know, like I said, I have, you know, 400 plus investors and, it's all my social, it's my, my friends, it's my social network. You know, I've never paid for an ad or a lead or anything. It's just, you know, a lot of repeat investors and it's been a really fun journey, man. If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good. As an endurance athlete who trains daily, I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in-store for new customers only. Visit www.rhone.com, that's Rhone spelled R-H-O-N-E, or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. That's awesome. What's really cool about watching you talk about all that is seeing your eyes light up. Um, you know, you, you genuinely um, find happiness in what you're doing right now. Um, and, and that speaks volumes because there's a lot of people out there um, who may be listening to the beginning of this episode and thinking, all right, he needed the money. So he had to hustle to get the money. Uh, but, um, you know, you took a very calculated and literally calculated because you talk about how you reverse engineered at the age of 30 um, path to get to where you are right now um, in in running um, a huge fund. Um, and, you know, my next question you kind of answered, I was going to ask you about um, how you built your investor base. Because again, when you think about where you started and where you are right now, that had to be intimidating in and of itself. But maybe let's talk about where you know, your first few investors came from, um, you know, was that, you know, strictly within your network when you first got started? Yeah. Happy to answer that question. I want to back up just real quick though on your last comment where, you know, there's nothing really 
you know, that exciting about real estate. And I actually agree with you, man. Like at the end of the day, real estate, it's brick mortar, it's, it's cement and glass. Like if there's nothing that exciting about real estate. Right. But what I've really, really loved, man, is, but, but it is also very, you know, it's brick and mortar is tangible. Like it's a great investment, you know, it holds its value. It's great real value for the community, you know, for tenants, et cetera. But you're right. It's not as an investor, there's nothing really that exciting about it. What I love about real estate though, is like with our approach at Axie Partners is it's creating experiences and relationships and value around the real estate. And so as an example, you know, for me to be able to bring in hundreds of my friends to create real value and passive income and financial freedom for them, that's pretty exciting. I get a lot of fulfillment out of that. Also, you know, the tagline for Axie Partners like on our homepage, the first thing it says is experiential investing. And I'm big on experiences. I believe that the experience are the new economy. Everybody wants experiences, baby boomers, Gen Z, everybody, like, and they're willing to pay for it. And so, you know, whether you're a store salesperson, a business owner, entrepreneur, I would challenge your listeners to really think about how you can, you can make an experience for your customers. People love experiences. It is, we are now in the experience economy. And so with Axia, you know, what we do is, you know, not only focus on, on a strong ROI, return on investment, but also an ROE, a return on experience and education. As an example, every month we have a webinar where we have the top real estate guys in the country come on, just teach and train for an hour. Whenever we have a deal that we close on, we do a webinar for an hour and we show exactly how we found the deal, the model, the, how we source the debt, like the whole business model. So it's just full transparency to, in order to help teach our partners how we do what we do. And it's been received very, very well. I've yet to see any other investment firm that's so committed to transparency and education and experiences. So with that being said, um, I, I think that's actually a big able to grow our investor base is, you know, a lot of people really want to know how to do large commercial real estate. They just lack the confidence or the competence to, on how to do it. Right. And so if we can create value in a, in a unique value proposition where we're teaching people how to do what we do, it's been received very, very well. And, uh, you know, very, very well. And so now going back to your question on, on my first few investors, um, that's actually a great question. Um, I haven't thought about that for a long time, but what it was, so I was a sales leader, you know, managing all these different teams and and creating value for my my salespeople and teaching, training, helping recruit, you know, leadership in general. And then when I exited from that company, you know, I was able to have those really strong relationships. And a lot of those guys, because of that respect or that uh, mutual, yeah, respect, I'd say that relationship capital, you know, we had that authentic, organic relationship there. So when they started seeing me really winning at real estate, you know, and by, again, by the time I jumped out of that company, I was already had a lot of doors and had made a lot of, you know, a lot of success there. Um, it was really fun to build. It just naturally, they wanted to be doing what I was doing. And so, you know, I've, I've always said, I don't like to chase capital. I like to attract capital. And so when I've actually done it, I've actually gone through that process. Um, I think that, you know, people just kind of want to follow those footsteps. And so, um, I started to do what's called syndications, which means that you have a big, big commercial deal. It's called a, an apartment complex in Dallas, and yeah. it's $25 million, right? And I can only cover a portion of that. So I bring in my friends um, to help fund the deal. So it's called a syndication. And so I started doing those smaller syndications, and they went very, very well and ended up doing about a dozen syndications. And 
it, it gets to a point where it's more just plug and play with repeat investors where we won on previous deals. And so it's like, okay, what's next? What's next? And it's literally almost like a plug and play, you know, to continue investing. And to me, that's the ultimate, um, you know, token of, 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 uh, of winning is when you get repeat investors that just continually will come back with you. And then they tell their friends about it and there are other sales managers and then the executives and then the other business owners. And so really just, uh, I'd say, I guess the answer is reputation. To, to summarize my my answer, it'd just be trust and, and reputation. That's awesome. I mean, um, that is truly at the cornerstone of how a business is properly built. Um, and and so it's awesome to hear just a story of organic growth. Um, and and literally, um, again, from from the ground up. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your personal mission, right? You've said that it's about creating value, inspiring others to achieve freedom through lifestyle investing. Um, you also had mentioned to me um, that you launched uh, the Allred Family Foundation. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that, and and in terms of um, you know when you look back on this in several years, um, what is it that you want to impart? Um, you know, on, on your children and, you know, the people who have come across you in your lifetime? Yeah, that's a great question. It's also a big question. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure how much of your listener base have, you know, our, our parents, but I will say that, you know, out of all the things I've accomplished by far, my greatest joy and fulfillment is my, my family. Um, it's also one of the hardest <laughs> things like parenting is hard. Um, I think that, you know, what I really want to impart with them is I want them to make a, a, a difference in the world and I want them to be authentic to themselves. I want them to really live their best life, you know, and I, and I hope that I'm able to be an inspiration for them to inspire them to chase down their own dreams. Um, you know, you asked about the, the family foundation. Um, so uh, about two years ago, so backing up a little bit, all my children are my employees of my, my personal real estate company. Not only is it a, a really interesting tax play, um, it's not tax deductible, it's not a CPA, but you know, literally you can, you know, pay an employee wages that are tax deductible. And then, you know, if they're less than $12,900 per year, then it's below the threshold they have to file taxes. And so it's really interesting, you know, some tax strategy there, but also just teaching your children how to, how to do real estate, how to invest and how to manage money. Um, for the, I mean, it's a travesty that our public school system doesn't teach anything about personal finances, not how to, how to, how to square up a checking account, federal taxes, compound interest, you know, any of this stuff. And, 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 and not to go on a tangent there, but I think that is by design, right? I think that, you know, financial freedom creates free agency and then you can, anyway, that's it. We'll go no, that no, you're right good. Now, it's, but, fine. Uh, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> And, and so for, for me as a father, like one of the greatest things that I, I think I can do is teach my children, you know, how to, how to be financially responsible and how to, how to, how to win in the game of, of, of money. And so they're all my employees and, you know, a portion of the salary that they, they receive goes into our family foundation automatically. Um, basically, actually, so 10% so, so goes into giving back, 30% is discretionary spending or whatever they want, no questions asked. And then 60% goes into investing or saving for education. And so all of my children have been investing into real estate and uh, different investments for a while now. And so kind of a quick story, actually, my oldest daughter, she really wanted Tesla Model 3. She turned 16 about six months ago. And I'm like, no, we're not going to buy a Tesla Model 3. That's ridiculous. Like, you don't need that kind of car. But she kept pushing for it. 
which by the way, as a salesperson, we teach your children how to be good salespeople. It's a two edged sword because next yeah. thing you know, that, you know, no means yes. <laughs> and, uh, next thing you know, you have, I'm not a pet person. We've got dogs and cats and, and, and a Tesla model three, which I'll come back to in a second. But like, you know, it's, it's, you teach them those skills and, and they end up kind of using it back against you as a parent, but, um, overall proud of them. But my daughter's like, Hey, I want this Tesla. I'm like, you know what? Actually, instead of saying no, the, the, the higher quality answer is, okay, if you want a discretionary um, exp- item like that or a depreciating asset like that, then figure out how to create enough passive income to be able to cover the cost of the vehicle. And so two weeks later, we got a strategy put together. She sold off some of her stocks that she'd bought. You know, she's, she'd been working since 14 years old. So two years of work, hard work, you know, serving food. And she sold off her stocks, sold off some cryptocurrency that she invested in Ethereum and Bitcoin, took all that capital and partnered with me on a duplex and is a, a JV joint venture. Yeah. So she came as a partner with me and that investment now kicks off, you know, $350 a month, which is exactly what her car payment is. And so now she has, you know, her, through her cash flow, so she's not using up any of her actual principal and that real estate still appreciating. So she's making money long-term, but the cash flow is now paying for that vehicle that she really wants. And now she has the vehicle of her dreams and she's super stoked about it. And you know, but for as, as a dad, that's so fun to be able to teach your children, you know, about how to how to look at, you know, smart investing. And so going back to your question on the family foundation, so a portion of that salary goes into the family foundation and um it's super simple to set it up. If anybody wants to reach out to me on uh, Instagram or shoot me a DM, I'm happy to kind of explain the process. But uh we set up a board of directors. And each of my children are on the board of directors. And so they got to choose whatever charity they wanted to support. So my son's helping the Wind Warrior Project. You know, my other daughter's helping single mothers. My other daughter's helping the Operation Underground Railroad to help with, uh, you know, sex slavery, sex trafficking. And so it's really, and my youngest daughter chose a, 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 a dog pound in yeah. our, you know, in our city. And so we walk in there and hand them some cash, you know, once a quarter. And it's just really cool, man, to be able to teach your children, you know, when they're young, the power of giving back. And I, I really believe that the more you give, the more you live. And so just really trying to instill that and teach that, you know. And I do think that children learn the best through participation versus just, you know, telling them or, or talking to them. If they can actually do it, it's how I found that my children learn the best. Yeah, man. And like you mentioned it earlier, but I want to make sure that I, I repeat it. And this came up on a previous episode as well. But competence does breed, breed confidence. Um, and, you know, you had alluded to it. But even in this case with your daughter, um, you know, you transferred a level of competency um, that, you know, for now, we'll give her the car that she wants to drive. But later in life, uh, will enable her to do so much more. Um, and it's so awesome that you set that foundation up for her. Um, you know, I think that was the the perfect example of what it is that you are trying to build. You know, I, I feel like we touched on pretty much everything around, you know, you and, and what you've built so far. Is there anything else that you, you know, want the Mile 40 audience to walk away from this episode, maybe associating you with, you know, you've built a, a beautiful family, you've established the lifestyle that you wanted and, and um, you know, pursued your dream of, of freedom at the age that you wanted it. You talk about how you reversed engineered your way there. Um, and a reminder for everybody listening, um, you know, 
Dave grew up um, not having much at all, um, and in a family that was a little bit broken at first. Um, you know, is there? And you talked about your mantra, but aside from your mantra, maybe you know, do today what others won't, so tomorrow you can have what others can't. Is there anything else that perhaps drives you, and that you want to leave for the Mile Forty audience? Yeah, I'm actually like so many things come to mind, but um, high level, I would say one is if something scares you, just do it. If something scares you, it usually means you should do it. Um, the second thing that comes to mind is, you know, living life with intentionality is so important. And it's not easy to figure out what you really define as a life well lived. But uh, I promise it's, it, it's time well spent to, you know, reflect back on that, really put your thoughts together on how you define a life well lived. You know, there's a book called How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. And then he talks about writing your own eulogy. And I actually did this a few years ago. Um, and, you know, your eulogy is basically what you want. You, you hope your kids your your wife, your neighbors, your friends, people you love are going to say about your, your life and your, your legacy. Right. And so like, if you can just write that down, it actually gives you a lot of clarity in terms of like what really get your deepest core, what really matters to you. Right. And if you know that and you've identified it, then you can actually make a lot better decisions because it's going to be aligned with, you know, does that actually create the impact? Is it aligned with what I really want to do in my life? Um, and then maybe the last thing um, I would say is just, is, is, is just simply that, you know, I, I, I lost my mom um, unexpectedly about four years ago. Uh, my dad's uh, has Parkinson's disease, which is a chronic, you know, uh, it's a really tough degenerative disease. So I thought a lot about mortality. And at the end of the day, I really feel like, you know, when I look back at my life, you know, there's really three things that matter the most. And those are relationships, memories, and experiences. And I think that if I've done a good job loving the people that love me and, and fostering relationships, you know, creating epic memories and, and having some really awesome experiences in my life that are meaningful, like, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna have any regrets from that. And so I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. I think that relationships, memories, and, and experiences are probably the most important thing we really look back on our lives. And so, you know, and if you, again, if you know that, then you can be making those decisions right now and how you run your businesses and how you parent, how you show up as a father, as a husband. So, um, anyway, I got a whole bunch more, but I should probably wrap it up right there for you. Maybe I'll do a round two. We can go deeper, deeper on that one, but I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you and, uh, love the conversation. Dave, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for coming on board. I mean, you've just, you have an abundance of wisdom to share. And, you know, you are the true personification of grit, resilience, and entrepreneurship uh, folded into one. So thanks again. Really appreciate you. Everybody, please go check out Dave's website. Check out Lifestyle Design. Um, he has made it perfectly clear that he is open and welcome to anyone reaching out to him um, in, in order to learn a little bit more about his journey. And, and to honestly seek out um, help for us individually. So thanks again, Dave. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, Go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater 
than setbacks.